So we are in the middle of a series called Vital Christianity, a series on James um, that we have been doing for a while now, and I imagine we will be doing for a while, which is funny because the book of James is really not all that long. There's lots of good stuff in there. So we're going to close out chapter two today. Um, but honestly, this, this book of James, I've read it. I think a lot of us know these mem- uh, scriptures by memory and by heart. Uh, but it's causing me to really dig deep and to look at my life and say, is my life, is the fruit of my life evidence of the faith that's within me? It, are the things that are happening in my life, can I look at them and say, that's because of the faith that's in my heart? And do my, do my actions match the words? Right? We've heard the talk, the talk, walk, the walk. Does my walk match my talk? And sometimes it does, and other times I'm like, yeah, that, that wasn't so great right there. <laughs> I need to work on that part. Um, but it's caused me to, to dig deeper, and I'm thankful for that because he's always moving. Um, we're going to get to it in just a second, but just to kind of um, talk about what Mark has shared the last couple weeks. Um, James here is writing to the Jews, continuing to encourage them about growing in their faith. He was really honest. If you read some of this, you're like, ouch, that kind of hurt. He's just addressing stuff straight on. He's um, speaking to people who are strong in their faith and have a good life, and so there's not a lot of struggle. They're just living the life. So he's going, okay, but there's more. Does your life represent what you're saying? Uh, Don't get too comfortable. Walk out your faith and demonstrate it. Care for others so that Christ is demonstrated. As we care for others, it shouldn't just be me caring for Marie. It should be me caring for Marie so that Christ could be remembered, so that he could be exalted, right? As we care for each other and we care for our children, it's not just to be caring. It's not just to to do wonderful things. It's so that he could be exalted, right? So that he could get the glory for it. So what happens when we demonstrate Jesus? We draw people to him. If we're just blah, 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 going about life, and yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't really do anything about that, how does that demonstrate him? How does that bring people to him? So it's all about getting our actions out there so that people can go, okay, what was that? That that was different. That, who is that? What is that? Oh, that's Jesus, right? So it's all about demonstrating it by our actions. Uh, you've all heard the quote, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. I love that because I'm a very wordy, blabbery, talkative type of person. So I'm like, wait, I use my words all the time. But I love that. Preach the gospel at all times. So what does that tell us? That our lives right, should display the glory of God, the action of God, who he is, his character, his nature, and everything we do, we're preaching the gospel. So I look at the example of Jesus And he didn't sit around talking about the Father, and that's it. Wouldn't that get a little like, okay, okay, so your daddy's great. I get it. Yeah, okay, fine. He demonstrated it. He healed the sick. He showed the love. He he witnessed and, and called out the people who were the unloved and the forgotten. And he actually did those things. So we have to do just like Jesus. He was our perfect example. So we're not just blah, 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 because people aren't going to listen to that. What they're going to listen to is our actions, right? They're going to follow our lead. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. So, Father God, we just thank you so much. It is such an honor and such a privilege to be yours, to carry the name of Jesus. Lord, your word tells us that you chose us. 
So often we think that we chose you. We did this great thing and chose you. But God, you chose me. You chose us. So God, as we come tonight and just dive into your word, Lord, I just pray that it would not be my words that are heard tonight, but it would be your heart, your revelation, your truth that is being portrayed, God. Be mighty in this place. Move as only you can. We submit to you and yield to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I would say turn in your Bibles, but I think I should more appropriately say turn in your apps to James chapter 2. It's funny, uh, some of the ladies and I are making sure that we know all the books of the Bible. Because you know you learn them, and then you forget them if you're not careful. And you're like, okay, somewhere in that, you can kind of go through. So we're redoing a refresher course to make sure that not just our kids know the books of the Bible, that we also know the books of the Bible in the right order. And so it's just one of those funny things. We were talking about how, you know, we should do Bible drills just to make sure because nobody does Bible drills. You don't know where the books in the Bible are anymore because you have your app. And you just touch, right? So I encourage you, you should still know if somebody gives you a Bible how to turn to a certain chapter, right? All right. So James chapter 2. It doesn't look like we have words, so you might have to share with a friend. James 2, uh, verses 21 through 26. I'm going to read them all first, and then we'll go back through. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So I love that last week when Mark assigned tone to the scriptures. Just as we do with text messages, you assign tone and then you call back and you're like, what did you really mean by that? You know, because sometimes you read it with anger or you read it with joy or like, what did you mean by that? But when we read the Bible, we need to remember it's not just a text. These were people. Sometimes they were happy. Sometimes they were sad. Sometimes they were angry. Sometimes they were like, look, you got to get on with this, right? And I feel like that's how James was when he was writing this. Like, okay, people, listen up. I got something to say. And I don't feel like he was mad, but I definitely feel like there's some emotion here. That last sentence, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. That's a pretty powerful statement. So when I read this, I see a man who's determined to get his point across to the Jews. He used words like, don't you remember that Abraham was right with God? You see his faith and actions work together. So you see, we were right with God in what we do. My favorite is when he says, he was even called the friend of God. I was thinking of my kids when they say, you know, he even did something, or Grammy even let me stay up a half an hour later. There's an emphasis there. He even, right? He was even called the friend of God. So all these words in his verbiage are telling me that he's trying to teach something. He's trying to explain something. Those are kind of things that I would use when I was teaching or explaining or talking to my kids. So you see, don't you remember? He even, right? So he's really trying to get the point across here. So he gives two examples of 
the fact that faith and works have to work together. There's two people, Abraham and Rahab. Everybody in this room probably knows very different people to throw in the mix in one example, right? Trying to prove one point. So we're going to kind of break this down. So Abraham in verse 21, James says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? So James is bringing up Abraham because Abraham was a man who continually showed his genuine faith towards the Lord. He allowed his actions and his works to prove his faith to God, right? So James, of course, references the epic moment where Abraham was willing to lay his son Isaac on the altar, and he knew that he knew the heart of the Father. He knew at some point, somehow, some way, God would do something, right? We don't really know what he thought, but he he went through with everything God said. So that tells us at some level, he was like, God's got this. I trust you. And he had had all those other things up to that point to get him to that place, right? Um, So he referenced that. And then in verse 22, it says, You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Then another verse down, verse 24. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. In the King James Version, it says, Seest thou. And that basically means it's so plain you can't even see it. When he uses those two words, you see or so you see, it's like it's so plain you can't even see it. These two things work together. I think so often we we have the two camps, which Mark has been talking about. Oh, it's only faith. No, it's only works, you know, and this whole little thing. Any studying that you do on this, you will see all of these different things. It's about faith. It's about works. But it's very clear here. These two things work what? Together, right? So it's so plain that you can't even see it. Why? That tells me, like, why are you even bickering about this? It's so plain you can't even see it. Faith without works, right? They go together. So in verse 22... You see, his faith and his actions worked together. There's that word. His actions made his faith complete. That word work together means to cooperate, to contribute. Where two or more agents are united, the idea here is that Abraham's faith was made complete by his actions. Right? His, he already had his faith, but the Bible says they were made complete by his actions when they were put together. So there's something hap- that happens when we put our faith with our action. When they meet, they marry, they combine, they join forces. Something powerful happens. Have you ever heard the, wor- the words, uh, put wheels on it? Put wheels on that thing. And I always mess up my phrases, but I think it's a real phrase. Like, put wheels on that, right? It's basically saying, take your faith and make it move. Make it do something. Faith just sitting there, you know, that's that's not enough. It's got to have the action behind it. So you've got the plan, you've got the idea, you've got the faith, but what are you going to do with that? So tonight as we're talking, I want you to think about that. What in your life do you have faith for? But it's just sitting there. It's like in installing mode. It's, it's there. You have the faith. You believe God. But what in your life needs some wheels to that faith to put action to that? I have lots of areas. I've been pondering this all week. I have lots of areas where I'm like, oh, I'm just stalling right there. Why is that? I have faith. God, I believe you could do this. I believe that. I believe you're bigger. I believe you want to do this in my life or in my family's life or in this relationship, but I'm not doing anything about it. You know, I think we just we just pray and then we just stall there, right? Faith without actions. Instead, faith without works. 
So verse 23, and so it happened, just as the scriptures say, so that tells me that it happened before in the scriptures, right? It's referencing something before. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So God counted him as righteous. This is interesting because the scripture is not talking about when Abraham put his, put his son Isaac on the altar, which I thought it was. Because if you go and read through that, I'm going to scroll up here. When you read th- through that, it in the in the beginning of this section, it talks about putting Isaac on the altar. And then a couple lines down, that's when it says, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous. Right? So I always thought he was talking about the fact that Abraham did this pretty cool thing and trusted God and took him up to the altar. Well, if you go back like it says, remember it said the scriptures before. So I went back into Genesis 15. So if you want to tap on Genesis 15, I'll read it here. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram. And Abram here is the same man as Abraham. God gave Abram a new name, which was Abraham. So it's still the same guy, just so you're not confused. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So this is where that's talking about. So right then and there, think about that. When God shows you something, and sometimes it's small, you're like, oh, I believe that. You know, that's easy. You could do that, God. But what if, what if God did something like this and took you outside? Hey, Michael, come on outside. Look up, in the, look up in the sky. Look at the stars. Count them if you can. This is how many descendants I'm going to give you. And right there it says, he took him outside. Look up. And Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous. So when God gives us those big dreams, like you young people, when God's speaking something and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just trying to make it through sixth grade. (laughs) I'm just trying to pass my science test, right? And God gives you something about your future. Say, yes, Lord, I believe it. He is God. When God gives you a big dream and he says, count the stars, count this, you're going to do this. Yes, God, I believe it, right? So I love that. That God counted, so what does that mean? God counted him as righteous. So Abraham was childless, right? He didn't have any children at this point. He was an old man in his 80s when God took him out and showed him the stars. Um, he had a senior slave in the culture at that time. If you had, a, had slaves, your senior slave would be your heir. They would get everything that you had. So Abraham's super confused. He's like, God, you've given me all this stuff, all this wealth. I have all these things that you've given me. And yet you've given no one for me to give it to. It's going to end up going to my slave. Oh, how wrong he was. 80 years old and God reveals this big plan for him. 
So God counted him as righteous. What does that mean, counted? It means to account, to reckon, to take inventory, or to credit. So God credited him. God reckoned to him. He took inventory and saw that he was righteous. To impute a man what belongs to himself or what ought to be imputed to him. So in every single instance, this word is used in the Bible. Not once is it talking about something where it didn't belong to someone. Every time it's referenced, it's because that person, that belonged to them. In every single example, when it's counted to somebody, it's because it is theirs. So God is saying to him, I have counted it to you that you are righteous. Oof. I think that's awesome. So God wasn't transferring or charging him with something he didn't deserve. I think a lot of times we think, well, I'll be righteous, or I'm righteous because of Jesus, which is absolutely true. But right here, God saw his faith, and he knew what was in there, and he counted it to him as righteous. My prayer since I read that and got that, I was like, Lord, let that be me. Count to me that. Because that means that Abraham believed he believed this huge... I'm like, if you took me out and told me the stars in the sky and laid... The, I, I'd be like, how are you going to do that? I'm Kara. I... What? You know what I mean? I'd have all these questions and I'd start figuring out how he would lay that out. But Abraham just believed. God put a stamp of approval on something that he saw in Abraham and counted it to him. So, an 80-year-old man who walked with God... He had a history with the Lord, right? He had, if you go back and read in Genesis, he had several instances and occasions where he had to put his faith in God. So I want to encourage you, if you're not there yet, if God laid something big out that you'd have faith right away, keep walking with him. He builds our faith. He builds that relationship. As you trust him in the little things, then it begins to grow, and you're like, well, he healed, he healed her the other day, so surely he'll heal me. Or you see God moving, you pray something, and all of a sudden your children start doing what you prayed. You pray for a lady at work, and all of a sudden you start seeing fruit and conversations. That is building your faith because you see his faithfulness, right? And you start to trust him and believe him more and more. All right, so verse 22, it said, His actions made his faith complete. All right, so let's move on to the second example, Rahab. Totally other end of the scale here. So verse 25 says, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. So the story of Rahab can be found in Joshua 2, if you ever want to go back and read it. It's a pretty cool story. So these Jews finally reached the promised land of Canaan and were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. So Moses had died, and so Joshua was was leading them at this point. Joshua picked two spies to scout out the city. They were trying to take down the city of Jericho. So he sent these two spies, and they ran into this woman named Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute who ran an inn, and her inn was actually built within the wall of Jericho. So as she sat up in her little area in her inn, she got to see everyone that went in and out of the city, and she would lure them with her beauty to come on in. She was a prostitute, so she would lure them into the city, And that's how she would meet. So she knew everyone in the city was a very public place. Um, And these type of prostitutes kind of had a different, they were still prostitutes, but it was a little bit different um, because this wasn't a godly city. So the people actually listened to these people because they got to talk to everyone. They had a little bit of say in what happened in that day. Um, So she had a little bit of power. So she, uh, the two spies came, they met Rahab, they ended up staying with Rahab there, um, and she was hiding them. 
when the king of Jericho learned the men had been with Rahab at her house, he sent orders to her to turn them over. She hid the spies on her roof on her rooftop, and she lied to the soldiers and said, "No, they were here, but they went this other direction. They went that way." And so they're like, "Okay," and they trusted her. They knew her, and so off they went to go find the spies. Right? Well, the spies were still there, so she made an oath with them and asked them, "Will you please help my family?" I believe in your God. I've heard about your God. I've heard about the things that he has done. Will you just protect me and my family? And and it was an oath that they made, a trade, an, an agreement that they made. And so as, as they came in to take over the city, she had to let down a scarlet rope so that they would know. And he, they even said, if you leave anyone out, if your dad or your brother is out and about, they're going to get taken. They have to be in here with you with a scarlet rope so we know where you are. So she got everybody in there, and that sealed the deal. And so it spared her family and, and the people that she came in there, and it kept the deal because she had faith in their God. She didn't even know their God, but she had heard the stories, and in her heart, she believed. So let's think about that for a second. Does God, he cares about our heart, Right? So it was the same belief that Abraham had. He believed Rahab. She believed in that one moment, in that one situation. So God does this all throughout Scripture. I think in the Christian culture we call them divine appointments, right? They had a divine appointment. Out of all the people in Jericho that these spies could have came to, God sent them to Rahab, the one person in all of Jericho that believed in God. Isn't that cool? So when you get to King Supers and you run into that person, know that it could be a divine appointment. I miss them all the time. That's one thing that I'm working on. I'll get in the car and the Lord's like, I told you to talk to her. And I'm like, I'll do it next time. Divine appointments all the time. God sent these two spies to take down an entire city and sent them to a prostitute. Does that make any sense to you? You would think there'd be some godly man sitting in there like, you know, no. The prostitute at the thing, luring the men in. You know, that's who the spies sent them to. But she was the only one who believed in God. A common girl that was used for his purpose, right? The story continues. So the miraculous battle of Jericho, the invincible city did fall. Joshua gave orders to rescue Rahab. She and her family were adopted by the Jews, sorry, adopted by the Jews and stayed with them. So this is cool. Rahab later marries an Israelite named Salmon, the son of Judah's tribal leader. From this marriage would come their son Boaz, a faithful man of God. Boaz would marry Ruth, right, from the book of Ruth. Their son Obed would be the father of Jesse, any of this starting to click, the father of King David. From David would descend the savior of all mankind, Jesus. Isn't that a cool story? Two spies met a prostitute years and years later. God has a plan, right? So I love this because we look at Abraham and think, oh, how could we ever measure up to Abraham? There's just story after story of his maturity, right? Of his fathering, of who he is. He's just this awesome man of God. And then you think of Rahab. Wow, she had one little thing that she did. But she obviously there was more to follow, but she believes not about that. It's about they believed in God. They had that belief in their heart. So this is what God is looking for in each of us. Faith in him and works that demonstrate that faith. I look around this room. I know I've had coffee and dinners with almost everyone here. 
we have faith. You are a faith-filled people. You believe in God. You believe in the things of God. You believe the word of God to be true. And I also believe there's actions. But just as I've been encouraged and challenged, I want to encourage and challenge you. We need more actions. It is our actions that display to the world. If we just hold our faith into ourselves, how is anyone going to know? Right? How is anyone going to know? They're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's John's faith. John, John believes that. That's great. Yeah, Jim, yep, he's got a faith. I think he goes to church. Cool. That doesn't change anybody. That doesn't display the goodness of God. It might be good for Jim. It might be good for John. But how, how does that help the people around us who God has sent us to, right? So in each one of our lives, we have opportunities to do good works. So I'm challenging myself. I want to have more good works. I want to have this united thing between my faith and my works where they're constantly paired up, where not just my faith is working, my faith and my works are working together. One thing that God has been stirring in me, um, that scripture that says, and he was a friend of God. You know, in the, in the New Testament, it has scriptures about that, that he calls us friends. And I think because we know and we have the revelation of Jesus. I think sometimes we take that for granted. Yeah, he says he's our friend. He says he's our savior. He says he's this, and he says he's that, and he is. But I want to encourage us. What what does a friend symbolize? Intimacy. Closeness. Preference. I prefer my friends. Right? If I have a room full of people and I get to pick who I'm hanging out with, my friends. I'm not going to pick someone I don't know. I'm going to pick my friends. I have preference for them. I have love for them, right? I have care for them. And so if we're a friend with God, that means we have preference for him. Are we going to spend our time with everything else or are we going to spend time with him? Are we going to talk about him? Are we going to be with him? And same with him. He prefers us. Isn't that awesome? He's like, yeah, he's always waiting for us to hang out, right? There's a relationship there. Closeness, affection, trust, intimacy, loyalty. It's a great honor to be called someone's friend. Have you ever had someone introduce you as their friend and you never really thought about it that way? And you're like, oh, it, you just kind of like, oh, I'm their friend. Or somebody's like, hey, this is my best friend, Kara. And you're like, oh, I'm one of the best friends. Like there's a status there, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Hi, how you doing? Right? That's how God sees us. He's like, that's my friend. That's my friend. John 15, verse 14 through 17. says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Because we are his friends who sent us to go. I love that when he says, a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Does God confide in us? Does he tell us things? All the time. If we would listen more, we would hear all sorts of cool things. When we listen, he like tells us all this. He's confiding. He's telling us. He's trusting us speaking to us, right? So I want us to take inventory. Mark's kind of been talking about this. 
about taking inventory of our lives. Not that we want to do that every day. But let's take inventory as we read the book of James. There are really a lot of good stuff that God is just challenging us and and using the book of James as he did with this other culture that was like a lot like us. They were secure. They loved God. They were moving right along. They were happy with life. Right? It's very similar to our culture right now. But there's still, there's still that nudge to put wheels to our faith. It's already in us. We know God. We trust God. We believe God. We love God. And so our faith can be made perfect by what? Our actions. Our faith can be made perfect by our actions. Our faith can be made perfect by our actions. Right? Do we have the video or no? No video? Okay. We had a cute little video, but I'll I'll give you the the little wrap-up of it. So it would show you, you know, a guy trying to get his car, but the car won't go without gas. You know, all of these analogies of what doesn't work without the other thing. It's got a light bulb that won't turn on, you know. What good is a light if if it doesn't have electricity to turn it on and all this stuff? So the gist of it was we need our actions to go along with our faith. What good is our faith if we don't have the actions to demonstrate it, right? So I'm going to end with this. Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all of those to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. So that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Let's say that together. So that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. What good is a lampstand? What good is a light? If it's not on, if it's not moving, if it's not working. And I love that last part. So that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. That's the goal, guys. That's the goal. It's not just have faith in action and be like, yeah, I'm a good Christian. I have faith in action. Right? It's not to boast about. It's so that everyone will praise our Heavenly Father. Everyone will look and see and taste and see that He is good. He sent us, you guys, us, here in Erie or Broomfield or Thornton or wherever you live. He sent us to be that light, to be that action. It seems so simple that we can't even see it. But I think we get so busy and we get so entwined in whatever we're doing and we forget the one true thing that we're called to, and that's the Father heart of God, to be connected to him and be demonstrating it everywhere that we go. I've gotten three words this last week about being supernatural. I'm getting them in texts. I'm getting them in emails. People are talking to me, and I'm like, maybe I'm not living a supernatural life, and so therefore God's sending people to tell me to get on with it. But I think it's God stirring it up, saying there's more. There's more. Why are you pausing? Why are you stalling? Why are you not believing for more? We just get comfortable, you guys. We cannot be comfortable there are people we run, and I joke about King Supers because I promise you, there's always a hundred people in King Supers, right? There's always so many people there. Go anywhere. 
Pam was talking about the other day how she works out and God will give her a word. And sometimes she gives it and sometimes she doesn't and she'll have to give it to him the next day. God is faithful. We make it this hard, weird thing. It's not hard. It's not weird. It's Jesus. There's nothing hard and there's nothing weird about that. So I want you all to stand up and I just we're just going to worship for a minute. And I want us to just take a moment and ask God, what are those areas in my life that he wants to put wheels to it? Is it at work? Is it at your school? Is it on your soccer team? Is it at a neighbor's house? Is it with your kids? Maybe your kids don't see the action to your faith. Maybe when your kids are hurt, you have them call someone else to pray for him. What if a miracle happened with you and your kid praying in your own home? Is that action? Absolutely. God's got so many things for us.